Hi, I'm Blake. And I'm James, and this is the 1 to 11. Welcome to the 1 to 11 podcast. Thanks for joining us. We'll be here every Thursday taking the football debates that you have with your mates and bringing them to life in a podcast. Now, there's a variety of features in every episode and an all-important fantasy football reminder as well. And let's not forget the reason the podcast is called the 1 to 11. James and I will be going away, doing our homework and coming back with a polished list, ranking a different topic from 1 to 11 every week just for you. And of course, there'll be a winner But that's for you to decide. And obviously, look out for those controversial shouts. Which you can find in the first three episodes wherever you get your podcasts. Now get in touch with us over on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook at The1to11 is the handle. Or you can email us, 1to11pod at gmail.com. You can also check our website. The link is in the podcast bio. So James, how are we feeling after that miserable Saturday evening at Brentford? Uh, It's not good. Now, obviously, I'm living in the UK. My dad lives in Guernsey, so he dropped me a message out of the blue. He's a Spurs fan, and at the time, Spurs and Chelsea hadn't played yet. And he was saying, I'll wait until after today to start gloating. And then I was just telling him, I don't know what football is. I have no interest in it. He was like, you sure? I was like, yeah, no, not interested at all. Oh, horrendous, isn't it? It's not good at all. I mean, that means that we've lost our last four on the bounce and we've conceded 11 and scored one. That's that's a shocking performance, let's be honest. I mean, I couldn't believe it. I watched the first five minutes and then I had to pop out somewhere and then I got back and it was 3-0. I was like, what's happened here? And then five minutes after watching it, it was 4-0. I was just in complete disbelief. Fair play to Brentford. They did quite well, but also you did very badly. Yeah, now, to be fair, let's not take anything away from Brentford, who clearly had a game plan, and they absolutely nailed it. The same as Brighton had a game plan. Going into the game, actually, the Athletic were saying that Brighton were confident they were going to win because they said, yeah, we've got a game plan. We know how to beat United. Went and beat United 2-0. Brentford have done the same thing, battered us 4-0, scoring, what, four in the first 35 minutes, leaving us bottom of the league. First manager since the 1920s to lose his first two games in charge of United, I think. It's not been good. It's not been good at all. And it is quite concerning because... I saw reports that potentially we're going to be having to terminate Ronaldo's contract. I don't know how truthful that is. Um, Martial can't keep fit and he's inconsistent anyway. It's not great times for a United fan right now. Not great at all. It's worrying because Brighton and Brentford, all due respect, well-run clubs who have great managers in charge, but they shouldn't be beating us. It's not even just that they shouldn't be beating you. They shouldn't be beating you as comfortably as they did. And yeah, that is quite worrying from a Manchester United perspective. Did you see De Gea after the game? Did you see his interview? Yeah, he. I heard that he specifically asked to be the person that they interviewed um, because he was obviously at fault for the first two goals. Um, and he wanted to publicly come out and basically apologise to the United fans for his poor display. But I think that was quite good of him that he actually wanted to step up and do that but obviously not great that he had to do it because of his performances um but it does show like a little bit of leadership and a bit of backbone that he wants to do that and 
wants to be held responsible. But you have to wait and see if that's then <laughs> turned into good performances on the field. Yeah, I respect that he came out and said, I cost my team three points, that wasn't good enough. I respect that. But what now needs to happen is there needs to be a change. You know, it can't just be a case of saying, we know that that was bad. Sorry. It's like, okay, you know it's bad, but also that's not good enough for a club of United size that wants to be winning things. And I know there's massive issues and the Glaziers were there and there's more protests. And actually, did you see that a load of United fans after the game went and left a load of reviews on the Glaziers businesses? So on Google, they were crashing from like four and a half, five stars down to like three stars. There were people leaving all sorts of rubbish about the Glaziers. I don't know, it's some sort of fashion shop and they started um, slating Joel Glazier in the in the reviews and all that sort of thing. <laughs> how effective that'll be, I don't know. But Yeah, I don't, don't know how quite effective that'll be. But I also have heard that they're planning a very big protest for the Liverpool game next week. So that'll be interesting. Obviously, there was protests where the game got cancelled, well, postponed last year. So it'll be interesting to see whether they've got it more under control this year or if it's a bit more of the same and um, they don't manage to keep the protest under control. Avoid your leverage takeovers, people. Leverage takeovers are not the way forward. That's not been good. Not been good news and they've squeezed money out of the club. But there we go. Anyway, anything else that caught your attention from the weekend just before we move on to the theme of today's episode? Yeah, well, obviously, as a as a avid Spurs fan, I was quite impressed slash disappointed with uh, Sunday we played pretty awfully but we came away not having lost the game so and it kind of took away the whole Spursy title the fact that we managed to drag out that point that we really didn't deserve and it was just another battle at the bridge which was quite interesting old two Charles and Conte wanted a piece of each other which was quite fun to watch but um yeah that was as a Spurs fan, one of the highlights of the weekend for me. Did you see Tuchel uh, in his post-match press conference, I think it was, um, pulling up the old sleeve and showing the bicep to the reporters? <laughs> yeah, I did see that. It was quite quite good banter from Tuchel, but I would like to see who would actually win that fight, to be honest. It would be very interesting. I think Conte. I think Tuchel's a little bit weedy, and I think that Conte's just got that that aggression inside him, doesn't he? He's got that passion. Yeah, he's got that dog. He's got that dog inside him is what he's got. (laughs) I reckon he'd be well up for a scrap. Yeah, I totally agree. But yeah, so moving on to the actual topic of our podcast today, we are going to be discussing who we think is going to have the most goal contributions this season. Yeah, we are. And actually, it was an interesting one to put together because I don't know about you, but what I found is that What Blake and I decided was that we would put together our lists and then also we'd guess for each player how many goals and assists we think they're going to get. And I put together a list and then went through and did the goals and assists for each player and what I thought they'd get. And that just completely changed the whole order of my list. It turned it on its head, basically. Well, turned it on its head is a bit dramatic, but it kind of, it mixed things up quite a bit. I don't know if you found the same. Yeah, I definitely found actually putting in how many goals and assists I thought players would actually get. They definitely shifted my list compared to where I had one player at like five or six at one point, and he's now dropped much lower. Um, So yeah, it's going to be interesting to see your thoughts on this as well. And I think adding that little 
element of guessing how many they're going to get to the season completely changes it and it then gives us like a benchmark as to actually go back at the end of the season and see how well we know the Premier League and some of the players in it. Yeah, and now that you've said that, it 100% means that we're going to be so far off and people are going to be able to go back and go, hold on a sec, you know nothing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah, But that's football, isn't it? It's it's made to mug us off. Do you have anybody in your list that's a bit left field? I don't think there's anyone too left field. I think maybe lower down my list, I think you might not agree with. I think it's going to be fairly similar to the sorts of players that we saw last season um, around that top 10 area. But obviously, there's going to be a few rogue ones that we're just not going to expect that are going to tear it up. But the expected players, I think, are going to be fairly similar to what we had last season. There's obviously been a couple of big additions to the Premier League, which could impact our list. But I think a great deal of them are still playing for their old clubs and could come up with similar outputs that they did last year. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think just before we, well, before I ask you for your number 11, then I think what is, what's useful is that, so obviously we're looking at players and how many goals and assists they're going to get. And we're looking at 11 players of that, obviously. The minimum combined of goals and assists to get into a top 11, last season was 16, season before that 14, before that 17, before that 18, and before that 19. So you're looking around about that sort of probably 16-ish kind of mark, 17 probably, uh, if you're wanting to be in that top 11. And that's kind of what I was trying to use as a benchmark for who would get into this top 11, I think. Yeah, I've gone for a similar similar sort of gauge. I think the lowest player I have here has, which we'll talk about very, very shortly, has 18 goal contributions. So... I've gone on the higher end of the spectrum because I think there's going to be a lot of goals in the Prem this year. Um, but I, I think, yeah, I've gone for that higher, like, 18 mark. I've gone for that 18 mark too. Interested to see then, who have you got at number 11? The 11th most goal contributions in the Premier League in the season now. I have gone with Mason Mount. I almost put Mason Mount in really close. I Okay, go on. Why have you gone for him? Well, I've gone with him because he was their top goal scorer last year. He was their top assister last year. He went, he got 20 goal contributions um, and was heavily involved in everything Chelsea did. And I think it's going to be a lot more of the same. I think the reason I've dropped him a little bit, because I think he was close to that top five last year, is because I think other players in that team are going to get more involved. And I think that's going to, take away some of his output. So I think I've gone, instead of the 10 goals, I've gone with the eight goals, but I still think he's going to be around that 10 assists mark because I think he's just going to be still being able to provide for the players, but I just don't think he's going to get on the score sheet as much. Yeah, I kind of agree with you. And I've not put him in my list. He was in an original list and then I scrapped him. And I think that's because what well, he's been Chelsea's player of the year the last two years running, hasn't he? And I just feel like maybe it's a little bit of an odd one to say, but I feel like maybe he's in for a little bit of a slow season potentially. And yeah, he had 10 and 10 last season, which is impressive. It's a good return. I just don't I don't think he'll get 10 goals again this season. I could see him maybe getting like six goals, 10 assists, which is still a decent return, but not good enough to get in this top 11, I don't think. 
But yeah, that's fair enough. Number 11, I've gone for a man who I've already, I wouldn't go as far as to say waxed lyrical so far uh, in the episodes we've had of the 1 to 11, but I'm a fan of him. I think he could do well this season and he opened really strongly against Liverpool. I have put Mitrovic at number 11. Yeah, he was definitely around that bottom end of this list and I think there's going to be quite a few that we could have put here because like the output could exceed what we think as well but I just couldn't quite fit him in in my opinion into this I just think he's Fulham's main man so if they're going to get goals it's likely to be through him he's coming off the back of a ridiculous season where he had goal involvement in 50 in 46 games or something like that or 45 games I think he played which is outrageous yeah he's just the main man and he's coming into the Premier League now in a different place to where he was. I'm not going to bore you. If you've listened to the first few episodes, I'm not going to bore you with the same arguments I made then as to why I think he'll be important. But also, he's on penalties, which I think is another really big factor. He got seven assists last season in the league. So I think I think he's going to get 14 goals, which is a solid return. And I think he's going to get four assists. Because also, when Wilson and Cabano aren't about and Wilson's injured... I think the, he can take free kicks too. Not that I expect him to score many, if any. But I think, yeah, his, a return of 18 from him would be impressive. And I think it would be enough to keep Fulham in the Prem as well. Yeah, I agree with you. I think, I think 14... I love for the man. Yeah, like, he, he could be very, very good. And he was so good against Liverpool. So if he can keep that sort of performance up regularly, I don't think they're going to have an issue. And I think he could easily bang those 14 goals. But it is going to be that goal side that I think will let him down there. I think he will get those four assists, like you say, but I'm not quite sure. You think the goals will let him down? I don't think he's hitting 14. I think he's just hitting... not? No, I think he's hitting just double figures. And that's that's where he's dropped out for me. I think he hits 10, maybe 11. I can't see 14. He's just not done it in the Prem, and I just can't get past that. I know, I know he's probably going to completely prove me wrong, but I just can't pass it. You say that. In the Premier League before, he has hit double figures for goal involvement. And he's hit double figures for goals in the Prem before. And now he's coming back off, coming off the back of a really strong season. I think he's in in the best place he could be to go and, you know, dominate. And look what he did to Virgil van Dijk. You know, he pushed him <laughs> about and made him look like a little boy. Yeah, he did dominate van Dijk, which is not something you see very often. But I just... Like I said, I think he is going to do similar to what he's done in previous Prem seasons. And I think he's just going to hit 10, 11 goals, five-ish assists, something like that. Um, so like I said, just just off that number 11. But I think he's going to have a good year because I think that's a good season, especially for a team that's going to be fighting relegation. That's a good season. I just don't think he's got it to push into that top 11, top 10 players in the league. There's some absolute bowlers in these lists. and you really have to perform to be getting in this list. I'm just not quite sure he's got those sorts of levels in him. Talking of ballers, the guy at number 10 for me has an absolute wand of a left foot. We had a discussion about him the other day, which I'm not going to go into too much detail about because we both disagreed about it, but we're going to talk about it in a later episode. The guy's a baller, and I think that you'll have put him a few places higher in your list than I've got him because you absolutely love him. You're shaking your head, so maybe you haven't. No, I've I know who you're. Dejan Kulusevski. Yeah, I knew who you were about to say that, and that's exactly who I have at number ten too. I 
I love him and I think he's going to be unbelievable. If he pulls off the same as he did in the second half of the season for us last season, all season, he's going to be so far up there because he got five goals and eight assists in half the games as everybody else. So he was involved in 13 goals in half a season. So he's going to be right up there if he has that level of performance all season. I just think some games here and there, like he probably did against Chelsea, he'll just go a little bit missing and he won't be there every single game absolutely balling out. But I think like in the games against like the Southamptons, who was unplayable, he is going to absolutely ball out in those games. But I just think in the higher teams against better left-backs that stop him getting on his left foot, he could be slowed down a bit, but I still think he's going to put out some great output and you have to, to be in this top 10. Like I've got him down for 19 goal involvements, which is still very, very good. Like I've got eight goals, 11 assists, but that's still a serious output because you think Salah only got 13 assists last season and he was the top assister. So to come in with 11 and then hit those eight goals as well would be a really good performance. It would be impressive. I've actually gone for seven goals, 11 assists. So I think he'll have involvement in 18. And I think really for the reasons that you've said, I think there will be games where he's absolutely going to tear it up and he's going to slap about the likes of Southampton. But when it comes to playing against the likes of Liverpool, is he going to dominate Andy Robertson? Probably not. I mean, he could do. His left foot's impressive. But yeah, I think the other thing, the only other thing that I wonder as well is that He had a really good second half of the season for you. There's a reason that Juve were happy for him to go out for 18 months because he was struggling there. It was really impressive for you, second half of the season. Has that kind of given some false expectation that, what was it, five goals and eight assists is what we should expect from him consistently? Or was that just kind of like, I'm new to this league, left-backs aren't used to me, I can kind of take the mick a bit here. He clearly has ability and he's already got a goal and assist this season. I just wonder if he'll have some some slumps here and there because he's still young as well. He's only 22. I think that's allowed as well. I don't think anyone would uh, hold that against him. Um, and I also wonder if there'll be times where he'll have a blip and Richarlison will come in for a game or two and do really well and keep him out the team for a little bit. But, you know, then again, he is sometimes on set pieces too. So that's going to be good for his assists. Yeah, I think 18 goal involvement's a really good season. I think that's where he's going to be sitting. He's going to have good games and he's going to have bad games and like you say he's 22 you have to expect that sometimes of a 22 year old and I'd be very happy with that 19 goals and assists speaking of that many goal involvements that's exactly how many I have for my number nine as well which I've gone with Jared Bowen oh Jared Bowen actually you know what before we move on with this I mean this this question's not going to work even slightly now but we're going to go for it anyway do you know the only side in the Premier League not to have created a clear-cut opportunity yet this season? Going to go with West Ham, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was kind of given away, wasn't it? So the Premier League says a big chance created is defined as providing an opportunity where the receiving player would reasonably be expected to score and manage to get a shot away. West Ham apparently, according to the Premier League, are the only side not to have created a big chance in the Premier this season. Let's not get too carried away because we're two games in. But also two games in and no big chances created. Even United have created a big chance this season and we've 
you know, we're six and zero so far. Uh, it's not a great start, but go on. Why Jared Byrne? Like they did last season, I think West Ham are kind of going to rely on him to be their main man. And if they want to perform the same sorts of levels that they were last year, he's going to have to perform. And I think I don't think he's going to do as well as he did last year because he got 12 goals and 10 assists. Like, that's a serious return. There's a reason people have been calling for his name in the England squad, which he obviously just got a cap fairly recently during the summer. But he deserved that call-up because he balled out last season. And I think if West Ham have got anything in them, this man's got to turn up. And I think he will. Like I said, I think he's going to get the 19 goal involvements. He'll, I think he'll hit nine, 10 assists, because I think he'll hit the same level of assists, but I'm just not sure he's got another 12 goal season in him. So I think that's why I've dropped him down a bit. Um, and that's why I've put him in at number nine. But I still think he's going to have a very good season. I think he could be decent. I wonder how West Ham will do this season. I think I'm being sucked in by the first two games where they haven't looked great. But then... You know, let's look at it. Declan Rice missed a penalty at the at the weekend. He scores that. It's a different game. And they play City in their first game. So nothing much expected there. So I need to kind of take that into account. I think he could have a decent season. I think he could. I don't think, like you say, he's going to be matching his numbers from last season because involvement in 22, that's impressive. Like That's very good numbers. And he's earned his call up for the England squad there. Uh, I think part of the issue also is that I still don't back Antonio enough and I'm still, we've been over this more than once, but we're coming back round to your man, Smacker. I still don't know what to expect from him and I'm not sold. And that would obviously be a rather important aspect of Bowen getting assists. So I don't know. He's not made my list. Yeah, I I totally understand him not making your list, but I think Skamaka does offer him someone else to just whip the ball in and just hope there's a head flying around because I feel like a lot of the times that man's head <laughs> is going to be flying around and he'll get on the end of stuff. Is that the technical term for scoring headers? Yeah, exactly. It's just heads flying about. Just getting stuck in. Yeah, and I think Antonio loves to fly his head about as well. So <laughs> I think he'll get some crosses in and then, uh, yeah, they'll get on the end of it. So, yeah, I just think I think it's going to have a big impact on whether West Ham do well. And I expect them to be around that seventh spot again. So I think he will get that return again. Um, obviously not quite as good as last year, but good enough to push West Ham into seventh. So who did you have at number nine? I've gone for a new arrival to the Premier League for big money. I've gone for Darwin Nunes at number nine. So in Portugal last season, he outscored his XG, which is important in the Premier League because... He's not going to get as many chances in the Premier League as he did in Portugal. So it's going to be important that he can polish off those that come. And if he's outscoring his expected goals, then that's good signs. I don't know how consistently he's going to start. I know he started against Crystal Palace. And he came off the bench in the first game of the season too. I think he's going to play a lot of games. I still don't know whether he's going to be starting week in, week out like Salah would. So I didn't put him any higher in the list. I've got him down for 14 goals and five assists, a return of 19, which I think is decent. But yeah, he's going to be adjusting to a new league. And I know he got an assist and a goal in the first game, but let's not mess about. That assist was an accident. 
he's gone to control it. He's miscontrolled it, and Salah's just banged it home. So <laughs> yeah, he's got very lucky there. Let's not mess about. But you take what you're given. He still had to be in the right position. So I think he's going to have a good season. But like we've said before, maybe a little bit transitional, and you know, 14 goals and five assists for your first season in the Premier League when you potentially won't be playing week in week out. I think is a very good return. It's quite quite impressive. Yeah, I agree with you, and I'll continue the discussions by saying he's actually my number eight so I'm not disagreeing with you at all because I think he's going to be around there I've gone with slightly less goals and slightly more assists I think he's gonna get 13 goals six assists so same goal involvements but I think he's just gonna get one less goal one more assist but yeah I think he's gonna be an important part of that team but I just don't think he's got Salah type numbers in him yet so I think he's yeah I think that's a very respectable season, especially for your first season in the Premier League, coming from Portugal, having to adjust to the way the Prem's played. It's such a physical league, but I think he does look suited to that physicality. I mean, he played very well against Fulham. And yeah, so I think he's definitely going to be up there in terms of producing goals. But who did you have at number eight then? Number eight, I have gone for Raheem Sterling. So Chelsea last season in the Premier League, created the fourth most big chances of any side. So they do create chances. And like we've we've said, they create chances, but there's not really been somebody to polish them off. Lukaku didn't work out. Werner didn't work out. Havertz isn't a striker. Mount's not a striker. Abraham, they decided to get rid of. You know, they've not had somebody to put the ball in the back of the net as much as they'd like. They still scored 76 goals last season, which was the third most in the league, which makes sense, really, if you look at them being finishing third. But I think that Sterling, like you've mentioned, has that kind of poaching aspect to his game. He's often arriving at the back post, scores quite a lot of tap-ins. I mean, he's got a lot more to his game than that. I'm not trying to pigeonhole him into a little box here. But also, you'd have to go back to, what, the 16-17 season, I think, to see a season where he's not scored double figures. And... He's a good player. My only concern with that is that City create a lot more chances than Chelsea do. And he's not on set pieces either. So I've put him at 13 goals and six assists as he transitions to a Chelsea side, which I don't know how it's going to do this season. I don't know whether it's going to be free scoring or not. Yeah, I agree with you. I will talk more in depth about Sterling later because I have him slightly higher on my list, but I'm not disgusted by you putting him at number eight. <laughs> That's good. I'm fa- I accept it. I think it's a fairly reasonable place for him to be, but I think, as I'll discuss when we get to him in my list, I just think he's a bit higher than that eighth position. I think he's going to do very well for Chelsea. Have you been disgusted by anything I've said so far in the 1-11? to Any opinions just absolutely offended you? The, the Atletico Madrid kit kind of disgusting if I'm honest <laughs> that was that was not acceptable behavior like that was not a nice kit and I refused the fact that it was in your top 11 because it was ugly you know what so go check out the last episode if you haven't already we had a look at what we think of the 11 best home kits in Europe's top five leagues this season I put Atletico Madrid in there for a bit of controversy and because I think it looked nice where a player was wearing it but later on in the episode just completely went back on that Blake wasn't impressed either. It's not the 11th best kit in Europe. It's really not. No, it's just far from it. And I'm 
slightly upset that that was your decision. Less on that, the better. So let's move on to a feature to try and forget that horror show. So first feature we're going to do in this episode, should we have a look at some of the transfers? So should we do Ballon d'Or or Ballon Snore? As we've explained before, this is Ballon d'Or or Ballon Snore. We take some transfers from Europe and from the Premier League, and Blake and I discuss them and decide whether we think that they're going to thrive or whether we think they're going to flop. Now, let's start in Europe. And I think let's look at a man who's just left the Premier League in Timo Werner. What do you think of that? He's moved to what, about 25, 30 million? It's the right move for him. He really just didn't quite cut it at Chelsea. He came in and... Everyone expected him to be this absolute class baller. And he just he just missed too many chances. There, there was so many memes that went around for so long because he literally couldn't finish off anything. And it was quite poor, really. So I think it's the right move for him. And I think it's proven because he's already gone there and he scored inside 30 minutes. And he's going back to an environment that he knows that he was comfortable in and was playing it incredible football so I think it's only really destined for success and like I said he scored within 30 minutes and I think he's just going to go back there feel safe feel happy feel comfortable and just start balling again yeah I think I agree he's gone back to Leipzig which like you say it's an environment he already knows and 25 million you know it's not outrageous money is it and I think that yeah I think he'll do well I think it'll take him a bit of time to start hitting maybe the numbers he did before he left for Chelsea. But I think, yeah, that's probably going to be a successful deal. What was interesting, actually, is that when he was leaving Germany to go to Chelsea, I read, I can't remember where it was I read, but there were German fans saying, you're paying 50 million. That's that's a joke. The guy, he put chances in the back of the net, but also supposedly missed quite a lot. And... A lot of German fans weren't all that fussed on him. They thought, why are you paying 50 million for him? So, but yeah, I think I think he'll be a success. Yeah, I think those German fans maybe were proven right with him in a Chelsea shirt because he really didn't finish off as many chances as he would have liked. He couldn't finish his dinner at times for Chelsea, could he? He didn't live up to a 50 million pound price tag. But there, there we go. We're both going for success there. Who do you want to go for next? So I think we move into the Prem and we shall talk about the Inter-Bremen League transfer of Zinchenko. Again, think it's going to be a success. I actually have a lot of time for Zinchenko. I don't know why he has gone to Arsenal. Not because it's not a good move, because it is a good move. He's going to be starting week in, week out. It's a good project. I like Arteta, and I think that Arsenal are going places. All of that said and done, by trade, he's a central midfielder. It's where he plays for Ukraine. Is where he played as a youth player, and he played at left-back for City because the midfield was stacked. So I don't know why he didn't leave City to go somewhere where he could play in the middle. Maybe he likes left-back, but I think he's looked good so far for Arsenal. I think he plays on the front foot, and I think that he's obviously very good on the ball. Maybe he lacks a little bit defensively sometimes, and he doesn't have the same sort of pace that some of the world's best left-backs have, but I would happily take him at United. I think he's a good player, and I think that's going to work out really well. I think you're right, and I think one of the key things I remember when it first got announced that they were looking at Zinchenko and were likely to sign him, I watched a lot of videos on it, and he has that kind of leadership quality that Arsenal have been missing. Like, he's the main man for Ukraine, and he 
kind of takes control of that side and has that leadership, which is where Arsenal had really been lacking. And I think that's the main thing that's so good about this signing. It's also his versatility, because obviously he can play left back, which is where he's been playing for the first two games. But I think when Tierney's back and fully fit, there's a strong chance they do push him into the middle and kind of play like a double pivot with party. So he plays next to party and then just those two can sit in front and then they can go solid back four with Tierney. But it's kind of a, I don't think he is going to start every single week because of Tierney, but he just offers that versatility. So if they're struggling in certain positions, he can fill in and do a really decent job. And like I said, that leadership is really important. So I think he's going to be a real success at Arsenal. Yeah, and managers love versatile players, don't they? And although I think that Xhaka started the season really well, Zinchenko, I think, is a different kind of option alongside Partey in the middle, isn't he? So, yeah, they have that option there. And when Tierney is fully fit and firing, and hopefully, fingers crossed, in the right headspace again, he will come in at left back, but Zinchenko can cover there too. So, yeah, I think that one will go well. Should we stay in the Premier League, have a look at... Brentford's new signing of Damsgaard. I think it's an interesting one. I mean, in the Euros last year, he was really one of the superstar breakthrough players that everyone seemed absolutely starstruck by. And he really did play very well in that tournament. But you've not really heard much of him since then. So I'm not really sure what's happened or why he's not quite hit the heights he thought. But I have heard that he struggles slightly with arthritis and that might have something to do with why he's not quite kicked on as well as he could have. So it's a little bit of a risk for Brentford, but they took that risk on Ericsson with his heart problem and it worked out incredibly well for them. So I hope that this risk, if you will, does pay off and he is what everybody expected him to be from that Euros. But it's kind of undecided at the moment so I'm not really sure and I know 17 million isn't loads of money but for Brentford it's quite a bit of money so like I'm not 100% sure he's really going to be able to do what Ericsson was there to do and that's what he's been brought in to do and I think the expectation is that he's going to have that level of output as Ericsson did on the team so I think not sure it is going to be a success because of those expectations, but I think he'll do reasonably well. It's an interesting one because, like you say, there was a lot of expectation after those Euros and there were teams interested in him. But last season, no goals or assists in the league. Admittedly, didn't play that many games. And the season before that, did play quite a few games. Involvement in six goals, which isn't really very impressive even though he's only, what, 22 years old, you'd still want a bit better from him than that. I think for the money, I think it's worth a punt, isn't it? Because if he does turn out to be the player that the promise indicated it could be, it's a real coup for Brentford, isn't it? And it could get them a lot of money down the line if he were to leave for a bigger club and also they'd get his services. And it gives them a, a bit more depth too, and also gives them a Danish international who played in the semi-final of a Euro, so gives them a bit of experience. So if these arthritis issues don't cause him too much jip and Brentford can get him fit and confident, then it could be a good signing. But I'm sceptical based on the last... Yeah, I'm sceptical. 
I don't want to say flop, but I think based on how good he could be, I don't think he's going to hit those levels potentially. So yeah, it's a difficult one. Maybe just about flop. I feel a bit bad saying it, but yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's just about a flop because I think he's going to have quite high expectations. Everyone's saying this is like a big coup for Brentford to get, but like you say, he didn't. Really, he didn't get any goals or assists last season. He's in the season before. He only got six goal involvements. So if he can show the sort of promise that everybody saw in the Euros, that they have got that absolute coup that everyone's talking about, but it's yet to be seen on a league level in a lesser team. So it is just whether he can pull that off in someone like a Brentford. And the problem is, just before we move on quickly to our last player, is that I saw an article earlier that said, is Damsgaard Brentford's best ever signing? I guess he could be, but that's a lot of expectation on a player who is young and hasn't necessarily done it yet. But there we go. Should we move on to our final player then and have a look at Roma's new man, Paolo Dybala? Yeah, I think that this is going to be a big success. I mean... I don't really understand why Juve have let him go. He's been linked with many big teams over the last few years. I mean, he was very, very close to joining Spurs, which got me very excited. But unfortunately, that broke down. But I still think he has a lot to offer. I'm not exactly sure how old he is. I think he's definitely around the 30 age. He's 28. So around the 30s age. So, like, I don't know how many good years you're going to get out of him now but he cost them nothing I think it'd be a really good compliment to the likes of Tammy Abraham being able to like play in behind him and move around him because he's very like technical and I think under Mourinho I think he could do really really well I'm less sold based on the fact that I just don't think he's consistent enough and you have to kind of adapt your system a bit to fit him into it very talented player wouldn't have wanted him at United. Last season, 10 goals, 5 assists isn't awful. And look, not everything in football is about stats. Let's re- remember that. And let's remember there's a lot more to output than just the numbers on a sheet about goals and assists. Your all-round player is very important too. But the last time that he had goal involvement that hit 20 or more in in the league in a season is 2017-18. Now that's, what, four or five years ago. I mean, they got him on a free, didn't they? So what are they losing? His wages. So, you know, I guess they've not paid a transfer fee for him, so I base it more on the expectation. The expectation potentially from Roma fans is going to be quite high. I am going to go for flop because I don't think that he's going to be hitting, what, 15, 20 goals or 10, 15 assists. Mm. I, I think that's fair enough. I, I personally think he will get that sort of level of output either, like either side. I think he'll be more towards the assist side that he'll make the difference in that Mourinho team because I think obviously Tammy is the main man up front. But I just I think he's going to be a success. I, I think he's going to be around that 20 mark. I, I think he'll probably get a few more than he did last year at Juve. But obviously I don't think he's going to hit 25 goal involvements but I think a good 18 or so and I think that's a pretty good season and a fairly successful free transfer 
Yeah, I guess. I mean, he played 29 in the league last season. So I guess direct involvement in 15 and 29 isn't awful, is it? I guess we'll see. I'm going to go flop, but you are going to go success. So there we go. That is Ballon d'Or or Ballon Snore. And now let's move on with our list. And I'd like to discuss somebody else that's joined Arsenal this summer, along with Zinchenko. And I have Gabriel Jesus at my number seven. Interesting. I've actually put Jesus higher up. I'm interested to see your thinking on why you've put him at seven. So I've gone with number seven because I think he's going to get quite a few goals. I don't think he's quite hitting that 20 goal mark, but I think he's going to hit a good 17. But I think where he's going to be let down a little bit is the assist side. I know he got two assists in the first game, and this is probably going to get proven completely wrong, but I don't think he's going to get a lot of assists in the system. I think he's more going to be going to get more of the goals and not necessarily on the providing side. So I think he's only going to get a few more assists. I think he just had a very good game where he just was in and around the box and just kind of, at least one of them, he just kind of, he just got in the box and then just tapped it across to Xhaka. But I just don't think he's going to get a great deal of assists. But I think I've gone 17 goals, five assists. I think that's a pretty solid return and kind of what Arsenal have bought him in the side to do. So that's why I've got him at number seven. I won't go into it too much because I'll speak about it when we get to him in my list. I've got him a bit higher up. Yes, I think that assist-wise, not necessarily going to be providing too regularly for other people because he is the main man, but also he's the main man, you know. He doesn't have a lot of competition. I mean, he's got Eddie Nketiah, who isn't a bad player, but... They need Jesus to be fit. They need him to be starting. And even if he's not playing particularly well, the chances are he's going to be starting anyway. So, yeah, I I think he's going to be a bit higher up. I think he's going to have a good season. But whether I'm being sucked in by the impressive preseason and start to the season he's had, I don't know. But yeah, he's a a good player. And I think we can both agree that he was a, a really good signing, wasn't he? And exactly what Arsenal needed. At seven, I've gone for... I actually had him a lot lower on my list. I had him in 11th until I looked at goals and assists and how many I think this player would get. I've put James Madison at number seven. So last season, he got 12 goals and eight assists. Involvement in 20, which is a good return. If they keep him fit, He's going to be so important for them because as things stand, Leicester aren't exactly bringing players in because I was listening to a podcast on it the other day and supposedly it's because they need to get players off the books. Now, what they've been doing is trying to compete. People expect them to be finishing what fifth, sixth. They're not as big a club as United, Spurs, Chelsea, Arsenal, City, Liverpool. They don't have the same financial freedoms as those clubs. So when it comes to buying players this summer, supposedly the owners have had to say, look, we're going to have to be a little bit more stingy this summer because we need to look after the financial side of the club. So they're being wise because it means the club won't end up in trouble. But I think that all of that means that until they get players off the books, they're not going to bring anyone in. And it means that Madison will be so important for them. And I think he's going to have another 12 goal late assist season if he can keep fit. And last season, Leicester was seventh for big chances created. And he's their set piece taker and one of their main threats. So yeah, keep him fit and he 
he does really well, I think. Yeah, I can totally see why you've put him in your list. He didn't actually make mine at all. And he definitely was in consideration because, like you said, I looked at his stats from last season and he did very, very well. And I, th- I think he could have a similar season. But there is also that little question over his future at Leicester. Newcastle are very interested, which could obviously affect his mental side of the game and that he might feel that that's where he wants to be and doesn't quite step up and like you say he gets injured quite a lot and I'm just not sure that he's got another one of those seasons in him he might do he might completely prove me wrong and just be the main threat for Leicester and completely take control and get all those goals and assists but I just I'm just not certain because I also don't think Leicester are going to be as good so I don't think I don't think Leicester are going to be able to get as many goals and assists as they did last year and I just yeah I just don't think Madison is pulling off the sort of numbers you need to be in this top 11 list I did consider Harvey Barnes at like very low at number 11 because I think he's going to have a big season for them as well, which would also take things away from Madison. So I just didn't think he had enough in the tank to get him in my list. But I don't hate the fact that you've put him in your list. Yeah, I mean, the issue, a big issue for me was fitness. I mean, what, of the around 3,400 minutes he could have played last season, he's played, what, about 2,500? He's missed out on quite a lot of football. That's what ten games worth of of matches he's missed. So I don't know. I think though my counter argument to what you said there is that while Leicester probably won't be as good this season, there'll be even more focus on him to produce the goods because they don't have the incoming players to do it for them. So I guess we'll see. But that is who I've got at seven. Who have you gone at six? So this is where I put Raheem Sterling. So I think he's going to have. A pretty big year this year. Um, I've gone with 14 goals and nine assists, but I just think he has a little bit of a chip on his shoulder and he's just going to go out there and just ball. And he wants to prove that it wasn't just because he was playing in City that everybody thinks he's so good. And he wants to say, no, I'm good. Accept it. And I read an article earlier and he was saying that he's like, he feels that Chelsea fits his personal goals more. So I feel like he's had a chat with Tuchel or whatever and Tuchel's gone to him, come in, be my main man, make that difference for me and be the sort of player that you say you can be. And I think, again, another thing he said is that he wants to go out there and win the Ballon d'Or. And I don't think he's going to do that. It's ambitious, but you like we like ambition, don't we? Yeah, exactly. And I think he's showing that he really wants to prove to people that he's not just good because he's in the system, but he's good because he's good. And he's from London as well, I think, isn't he? And I think his family's in London and his friends, are prob- quite a lot of his friends are probably there too. So I think that sets him up with a good environment. My concern, like I was mentioning earlier, was that Chelsea don't create as many chances as City, even though they create a lot. And how clinical will Sterling be? Will he be able to hit those same numbers? I don't know. I... Ha- I kind of hope so. I mean, from a United fan's perspective, it's not ideal for us, but also he's a good player and I like him and he seems like a nice bloke. And also the better form he is in, the better 
chances are off for England later this year. So, yeah. All right. So Sterling at six. I have gone at number six. He's another one who I'd put higher up my list, calculated the goals and assists and knocked him down. Joint top scorer in the Premier League last season, Hyungmin Son at number six. Okay. Interesting. I think he'll get 17 goals and I think he'll get six assists. So last season, he got seven assists. The season before that, he got 10. And then the season before that, he had 10 again. Because Harry Kane now isn't necessarily playing in the same sort of typical number nine role he did before, he's dropping even deeper now. I think there's more onus on Son to be scoring goals than providing. So I think that his assists will be lower than maybe in previous seasons. So I think I think six, but I still think he's going to score quite a few at 17. And you create a lot of chances. Spurs have created, what, the third most big chances in the league last season. I think he'll have a good year. I don't think he's hitting the same goal numbers he did last season. I have him higher on my list. So again, I will discuss this later. But I do agree with you. I don't think he's going to be hitting double figures for assists like he has in other years. And there's going to be more reliance on him to score goals rather than provide. Because like you say, Kane is going to drop deeper. And especially in this Conte system, I think Kane is there to drop in and then have the wingers and the fullbacks bomb on around Kane. So I, I think, yeah, I definitely think he's going to get lower assists. But... I still think he's going to be crucial when it comes to scoring goals. So I'll talk about him later when he's higher on my list. Okay, sure. Well, before we go to our next feature then, shall we do the number fives on our list? I'll tell you mine. I think he's arguably the best player in the Premier League. And it is Kevin De Bruyne, who is an absolute baller. I think that he gets eight goals this season and I think he gets 17 assists. Okay. So he takes set pieces for them. He already has a goal and two assists to his name this season. In previous seasons, he's had involvement in 23, 18, and then 33. I mean, only eight eight assists last season, but I think that's because they didn't have an out-and-out striker. They didn't have somebody who'd be poaching necessarily, whereas now they've got Haaland, who's going to be banging home chances for fun. So I think that De Bruyne's assist output is going to go up again potentially have knock-on effects for his goals so eight goals 17 assists which is still you know a return of 25 which is impressive yeah I have him higher on my list as well but I I do agree with you I think he is there is a chance that there's a drop in those goals and a increase in the assists but I just not sure he's going to drop that much um, in goals I think he's still going to be very important to that side and I think he's gonna need to pitch in with those goals even though they do now have Haaland up front you see his goal against Bournemouth by the way outside of the foot caressed into the far corner I didn't actually properly see it but I have seen pictures of him just flicking it with the outside of his foot and it does it's so nonchalant yeah it looks it looks pretty nice. Um, so, yeah, um, I think he's going to be very important to City. He always is. And like you say, he's definitely one of the best players in this league. And he is going to be heavily involved in goals and assists for City again this season. Who have you got at five? So, at number five, I've got Son's teammate, Harry Kane. So, I think this season, I think Kane's going to get one less goal and one more assist. So, I think he's still going to... Because he's obviously still on penalties. I think... 
he's still going to score quite a few from penalties. And obviously, he's already got one goal this season from that set piece at the weekend. So I think he is still going to obviously pitch in with a lot of goals. He He's a striker. He loves to score. Um, but I also think he's going to be much more involved in that assist way of playing and bringing the other two on the outside of him into the game more. Um, so I think his goals are going to dip slightly and his assists are going to go up very slightly. But because he played half the season in that Conte system already, I don't think there's going to be a great difference to what he did last season um, because he played more than half of the season in the Conte system already. So I think it's going to be fairly similar sort of input. I've put Kane higher up and it's because he started last season so, so poorly. He was really bad. And I think now he's used to Conte's system. I think he's got got himself back into form. And also, he has a man on his right-hand side who could put a ball on a sixpence in Kulisevsky. So I have Kane higher up my list. We did say, actually, before we started recording, that we thought we might have a fair few of the same players, but probably in different orders. And that's exactly how it's turning out. There we go. So you have Harry Kane at number five. Right, shall we move to our next feature then? What's this one? The next feature we're going to be looking at is a wiki quiz. Um, We did something very similar on our manager episode, um, but this time we're going to be looking at forwards that have either played in the Premier League or are currently in the Premier League. I wish you could have seen Blake's paralinguistics then as he was introducing the feature. He's done kind of like a great, like, what's it? Is it the tiger from Frosty's? Yeah, Terry the tiger. With the like the yeah, the fist fist pump kind of thing. Yeah, it was beautiful. So, a Premier League forward past or present and what we'll do is we'll be going through and you can get involved with this too obviously guessing wherever you are. We'll start with our first club going through to current where they are currently depending on how quickly we guess it. So, Blake, do you want to go first? So, here you go, James. The first club that they started at, in 2001 to 2007, they played for Atletico Madrid. 01 to 07. Okay, Torres? I mean, yes. <laughs> Good guess. Fair play. <laughs> <laughs> Big Fernando Torres. Damn, pla. I was either going to go for him or Aguero, but I, I think that Aguero would have been a little bit later than that and also wasn't there six years, I don't think. Yeah, big Fernando Torres. All right, then. So let's do yours then. Okay, I'll be impressed if you get this from the first couple. The first team that he played for between 93 and 97, Den Bosch. I've never even heard of them. <laughs> um, I don't. <laughs> do I get any kind of clue? Like, <laughs> what even country do they play in? Or is that too much of a giveaway? They play in Holland. I'll give you that. Yeah, they play in Holland. Van Nistelrooy? That's outrageous. <laughs> that is outrageous. Is it Van Nistelrooy? Ten seconds ago, you didn't know that this place existed, and you've just chucked out Van Nistelrooy on a whim. It just, it made sense. Holland. It made sense based on him, based on it being in Holland and he played in the Prem. Yeah, basically, yeah. I mean, it's added up, you've got this. <laughs> Fair enough, all right. Well, we were thinking we wouldn't have time for doing two each, but those two have gone so quickly that we probably could. So who's your second player? Yeah, we might as well give it a go. So they played for Atalanta from 2019 until 2020. 2019 to 2020, Atalanta. 
don't know many Atlanta players. Uh, a youngster, Amad Diallo? No. So then he was on loan from 2019 until 2020. He was on loan at Palmer. No. I've got nothing on that. Okay. And then in 2020, he moved to Juventus. 2020 went to Juventus. A striker. I feel like I'm going to kick myself here. So Vlavic went from Fiorentina. That was only last year, wasn't it? Who else have they had up top? Morata, obviously not. Ronaldo, no. Dabala. No, it's not Dabala. Oh, he was at Palmer, wasn't he? He's also never played in the Premier League. I completely forgot about the Premier League part. Yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> fair enough. But also, okay. So, I feel like I may have sneakied you a little bit here because he is kind of still a Juventus player and he is currently on loan at Tottenham Hotspur. Oh, Kulusevski. Kulusevski. <laughs> oh, mad. Yeah. I couldn't have told you who he was playing for before Juventus. I mean, obviously I can now, but mad. Okay, right. Well, I didn't do very well with that. Did I? Yeah, so he actually only had three appearances for Atalanta, and then he was also on loan at Parma his first season at Juve as well. So he's only had like one or two seasons at Juve before he came to Spurs, and he will be a Spurs player come... March, I think it is. So we have a obligation to buy him after a certain amount of Premier League appearances, which I believe he'll hit around March next year, which means we have to automatically sign him. What a nightmare. So he is not officially, but he, he is a Spurs player. So that will be fully updated soon. And it will say 2022 Tottenham signed. Well, indeed. Well, there we go. So Kulusevski is your second one. My second one started his career 2011 to 2012 played for Teleoptic. What are you doing to me here? Like, they just not real teams. Um, <laughs> you telling me you don't sit down and watch the Teleoptic highlights? It sounds slightly Scandinavian. Okay. So I'm leaning to that area. Sure, I would lean away from that area. Okay. <laughs> All right, thank you. Teleoptic. Jeez. Is it like... Like American, maybe, maybe Pulisic. You've gone further away. No, he then played from 2012 to 2013 for Partizan. Partizan Belgrade. Hmm. I'm struggling here. No, I don't think I've got anything at this stage. Nothing in the locker. I mean, fair enough. He then moved to Belgium and played for Anderlecht from 2013 to 2015, playing 69 games. It's not Lukaku, is it? It's not, no. So next, from 2015 to 2018, he played for the Magpies, Newcastle United. I think we may have spoken about him fairly recently, and quite a lot on this. Is it Mitrovic? It is Mitrovic, yeah. He might be the player we've spoken about most, weirdly. Yeah. For some reason, I've got some sort of weird love for him. But yeah, it is Alexander Mitrovic. Yeah. Nice. Good work. So there we go. That was Wiki Quiz. So that was Wiki Quiz. And now into that all important top four of goal involvements this season. So who did you have at number four, James? At number four, I've got a man who you've mentioned already. I've gone for Gabriel Jesus. I just think he's going to be impressive this season. 
He's on penalties for them as well, it would look like. So that's important for your goal involvement. Yes, preseason can be a bit of a misanoma, but he scored seven. And he's just their main man now, isn't he? Like I was saying before, they've got Nketiah on the bench, who, yeah, is all right cover. He's not really going to be pushing Jesus out of the team, is he? And Jesus just has a little bit of something in the locker and he's already doing well this season, isn't he? I mean, he's scored twice already, got an assist. And I mean, we're two games into the season. So looking into big chances created isn't really all that important. But Arsenal are fourth so far. My concern is that last season, Arsenal were 17th for big chances created. So how many chances they will create for Jesus, it will remain to be seen. But I think... Because he's got so much to prove, I think he's breaking that 20-goal mark. I think he's getting 21 goals and six assists this season. I've gone in, I know. That 20 goals is a big statement. I like him, and I think he's going to be good. But breaking that 20 mark is a huge accomplishment. It's a big achievement, yeah. It really is. I just, I really don't think he's got 20. He could completely prove me wrong, but I, he's very, he's going to be very good. And like I said, he's in my list and I think he's going to bang close to 20. I just don't think he's got the little bit of a push you need to get over that 20 20 goal mountain that exists in the Premier League. Do you want to know what? Providing there's no outrageous forward transfers between now and the end of the transfer window, I have Jesus to finish second top scorer this season, it would seem. That's madness. I have him fairly high, to be fair. According to this, I think I'd have him third. So I'm not heavily against it, but I just, yeah, I don't think he breaks that 20, 20 barrier, unfortunately. It's not fully impressed. Okay, who have you got it for? So I have gone with Kevin De Bruyne. So I think he's going to get similar sorts of goals. So he got 15 last year. I think he gets another 15 this year. I know Haaland is going to take away some of the, some of the team goals, but I think that... Kevin De Bruyne is going to be the one that steps up and is the second goal scorer in the team. And City score a lot of goals. So I think he's still going to get a good return. And I think he's going to get more assists now because he's got such an eye for a pass. And Haaland is going to just be running them channels for fun. Like we talked about in earlier episodes, just the runs he was making in that first game against West Ham, but they just weren't quite finding him. When De Bruyne and Haaland click, that's terrifying. I think he hits 13 assists, 15 goals, altogether 28. And it's just, he's just going to be arguably unplayable and a high up there on the list for player of the season. Yeah, he very much is going to be in that player of the season conversation, isn't he? Because it looks like City could obviously defend their title I mean I'm sure Liverpool and Spurs will have something to say about that on your argument about goals I think that now they've got a main man up top it's just different so the seasons he had at City up to 1920 he didn't score more than eight in a season in the Premier League then scored 13 then six then 15 last season and that would have been the seasons that they had the likes of Aguero up top they had a main man to be providing chances for or a main man who wanted to be scoring goals. I think De Bruyne kind of filled that goal gap because they didn't have somebody else to be doing it. So I think that he gets a lot of assists. I just don't think he gets that 15 goal mark. I mean, again, I could be proven completely wrong, but I think he's still, even if it is the other way around 
and he doesn't hit that many goals, he's still going to be in and around that 28 goal involvement because I think the goals that he doesn't get up to that 15 is switching to assists. I think he's still going to be in and around that number. I might be completely wrong on whether it's goals or assists. Like, like you say, in previous seasons, he's had less goals when they've had a striker for him to play alongside. But I just, I think he still gets around that sort of level, whether it's with those goals or with those assists. So yeah, that's why I've put him in number four. And we've both got him in very similar places and we both think that his goal involvement is going to be pretty high. It's just whether it's assists or goals that I guess we kind of disagree on a bit. At number three, I have gone for the man who joined Hyungmin Son as top scorer in the Premier League's last season. I have put Mohamed Salah. So similar argument again between Salah and De Bruyne. And I've made this argument in previous... I say argument, I've hypothesized this in previous podcast episodes. I don't think that Salah will get as many goals this season because Nunes will be playing more as a natural number nine than what they've had before. And I think that means that there won't be as much space centrally for Salah to run into and there won't be those opportunities for picking up those positions quite as much. So I think he gets less goals. I still think he gets 19 goals this season because I think he'll probably still be on pens and it's Mohamed Salah. You know, the guy's a ridiculous talent. I mean, in his Premier League career, 168 goal involvements in 194 games. So, you know, the guy scored 23 last season, 22 the season before that, 19 the season before that, 22 before that. You get the idea. He scores a lot of goals. And I think he'll find ways to score goals again this season. I just think Klopp could potentially look at getting him to create more assists for Nunes because of the style of Nunes's game. So I think Salah, 19 goals and then eight assists. Yeah, I agree with you. I have Salah higher on this list and I do think his goals are going to drop and his assists are going to go up. That's why I put him higher. But from the sounds of it, you think he's actually either going to get less assists in this system and less goals. So I'm not sure that that's the case. I think he gets more assists and less goals. So I will explain this later when I tell you exactly where he is on my list. But yeah. So who have you got at three? I've gone with who I think is going to be Spurs' main man this year, Hyung Min Son. So I think he's going to be the main goal threat this year. So I think he's going to be on the similar sorts of levels that he hit last season in terms of goals. So I think he's going to hit 22 goals. And I think he's going to get eight assists. I think he's going to be around... I think he's going to have around the similar sort of season that he had last year. Um, he hasn't necessarily started the season particularly well, but like we didn't play very well against Chelsea as a team in general. And I think he's just he's just so quick and he's so devastating in front of goal that if you give him chances, he's going to score. And there's a reason him and Kane are the best combination in Premier League history. They just understand each other uncontrollably. So... Son is going to get him behind and he's going to cause problems and Kane's going to give him the ball and he's just going to score. And I think he's going to, again, just score similar sorts of goals, similar sorts of assists. He he got 30 last year. I think he's going to get 30 again this year, but I think he's just going to get one more assist, one less goal. Like It's just going to be around that sort of area. I don't think he scores the 23, but I think he actually is the second highest goal scorer in the league. And yeah. I think he's going to be very, very important to the way Spurs play this season. 
Okay, interesting. I think that what we've done is we've both agreed that Kane and Son would be very good this season, but have disagreed on who is going to have the higher goal output of the two of them. Because at number two, I've put Harry Kane. So I think that he's a man who's incredibly driven, selfless, but ruthless. And he started last season poorly, but now is in a system that he clearly works very well in. Like you say, he's got Son. I think he's got Kulusevski now, who's an upgrade on what you've had on the right recently. And he's on pens as well, which I think is really important. And if he keeps fit, which I think now that he's adapted his game to the fact that he's, what, 28 or so now, not 22, I think that he will stay fitter for longer this season. 19 goals I've gone for, and I think he gets eight assists. I think, maybe, ooh, maybe nine assists. Yeah, I, I'm not against that. I just don't think he gets as many goals as that because I just think in this system, he's going to be dropping so deep to get the ball and playing in those wingers and those fullbacks, making those runs out wide and making those runs beyond him, that he's not going to get as many goals because like, there was a perfect example on the game against Chelsea. Someone whipped a ball across and you just expect Harry Kane to be in there, but he wasn't because he dropped deep to get the ball and play it out wide himself. So I just think that's going to happen a bit more where he just doesn't necessarily get in the box as much as he has in previous seasons and that he drops off more and brings everyone else into the game. And I think that's why he's going to get not as many goals as he has in previous years where he's banged like 20 goals. But I think he's going to have a very good season. But I think he, the main aim for him within this system is to provide, yeah. Yeah, I guess we'll have to see. Who have you got at number two? So I've gone with City's new main man, Haaland, at number two. So I think he's going to have an absolutely cracking season in front of goal. I think he's going to get the top goal scorer and I think he's going to bang home 25. I've gone for exactly the same, 25 goals. Yeah, I think I think it's just he's just destined to score hatfuls and I just I can't see it going any other way and obviously the person that won the golden boot hit 23 last year. I think he does better than that. They make so many chances. He's going to be in and around the box all the time. And just scoring hat loads. I think he will chip in with an assist here and there. And like games like they did at the weekend against Bournemouth. Bournemouth were too worried about Haaland that he just brought everyone else into the game. And he obviously got his assist. It was a pretty nice assist, to be fair, to completely hold off the defender and put it in behind for Gundogan. But I just, yeah, I don't think he's really going to be getting that many assists, but I just think he's going to get on the end of all of the chances and just score goals for fun. And I think, yeah, I think he gets 25 this year. So I think he has a direct involvement in 31. Yeah, while we're here, I may as well talk about my man who I think is going to be top of the goal involvement list. And that is Erling Haaland, who I think will get 25 goals and six assists this season. He scores goals for fun. He got eight assists in the league in Germany last season. And that was with playing something like 22 games or something like that. So he can get assists. His main aim in this team, obviously, is to put away chances. And as soon as that team is up to speed and moving as a fluid movement with Haaland in it, it's going to be horrifying. I think against Bournemouth, he only had like eight touches or something like that, didn't they? They kind of tried, like you said, they focused so hard on shutting him out of the game. But ultimately, 
he's the sort of player who, like Ronaldo, Ronaldo-esque kind of, isn't it? In that he could be quiet for a whole game or a Van Persie, quiet for a whole game, but you give him a sniff and something is going to happen. And I just think he is going to be the most potent player in the league this season. And I think that City obviously have a right player on their hands, which means that at number one, I think you've probably got a certain Egyptian. Yeah, I've gone with Mo Salah. And I totally agree with you. I don't think he scores as many and I don't think he wins a golden boot. But by doing that, I think he brings Nunes more into the game and he gets more assists. He got 13 assists last year as it was. So like to bump that up, I've only gone for 15 assists, reduced his goals by four to 19 like you had. But I just think him, okay, he's not necessarily going to have that space in the middle, but it means he's now going to have the space out wide to whip it in for Nunes or to find that little death touch that he's found so often for Mane last season. And I think he just gets more assists and less goals, but I still think he's going to be unplayable 95% of the time and less goals, more assists, but he's still going to be unbelievable. And I think that's that's why I put him in number one, because I think he's going to be the best player in the league next year. Yeah, I've potentially been a bit harsh with the number of assists that I said that he'll get. And it's because... So if you look at the assist record he has in the Premier League, 13 last season, then before that 5, before that 10, and before that 8. And yes, they have a typical sort of number nine now who well, he can play off the left too, but he plays as like a number nine and occupies those spaces. So yeah, maybe eight is a little bit harsh on the assist front, but I just, I can't see him cracking sort of like De Bruyne assist numbers purely because I think that as a player, he's rather focused on scoring goals himself. So I don't think he's as selfless as a De Bruyne. I do understand where you're coming from, but he also did win the most assists last season. <laughs> that is true, yeah. You say he doesn't hit De Bruyne-esque assists, but he got more assists than De Bruyne last season. So so De Bruyne-esque assists in like peak De Bruyne assists giving seasons, like a 17 or a 20 or something. Yeah, I, I know what you mean, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I just think, like you say, I think he's not going to score as many, but I think he's going to be more involved in getting Darwin Nunes on the ball and whipping it in for him to fly ahead on it, you know? So <laughs> fly ahead on it. Of course, like our man Antonio. So yeah, I, that's who I've gone with at number one. Did you want to run through your final list, James? Yeah, I think that makes sense. So at number 11, I went for Mitrovic. 10 was Kulazewski. 9, Nunes. 8, Sterling. 7, Madison. 6, Son. 5, De Bruyne. 4 is Jesus. 3, Salah. 2, Kane. And at number 1, Erling Haaland. My 1 to 11 was Mason Mount at number 11. Kulisevsky at number 10. Number nine was Jared Bowen. Number eight was Darwin Nunes. I had Jesus at number seven, Sterling at six, and Kane at five. And then my top four was De Bruyne, followed by Son at number three, Haaland at two, and Salah as my number one. Lovely. So those are our lists of who we think will be providing the highest goal involvement in the Premier League this season. And I guess that we should probably, before we leave, give you your weekly fantasy reminder so, Blake, I assume you remembered to do your team last weekend? Yes, I did. Well, I slightly was thinking of putting Haaland as captain, but then I did slightly forget about it on Saturday morning. But this week, I'm considering dropping Perisic. 
considering he's not started for Spurs yet this season. So I'm thinking of maybe going with Zinchenko because like we said, versatility-wise, he could also be pushing up to centre mid and might be more involved in the attacks. And I'm also thinking of switching out either Mares or Mount because they're not quite producing so far this season. So I've, I'm thinking of maybe getting Kulisevsky in. There's no guarantee that Mares will start either. It seems to be whether Guardiola chooses to start him or Grealish. I know they play on different wings, but that seems to be what's happening so far. Yeah, that's what I mean. And that's why I'm slightly worried about Mares. He did actually play the full 90 at the weekend, but he didn't do anything. So like, there's no guarantee that when he's on the pitch that he's going to produce in that City side because there's so many options for them to produce. So that's also an option. But I'm also considering whether doing this whole Leicester 4 million keeper thing was quite the right decision because they've conceded quite a few goals so far this season. And I may be persuaded to try and maybe put someone of a higher standard in goal. Do you remember... When last weekend I said I had Ben Chilwell on the bench and you said, well, it might be a good idea to start him. Yeah, yeah, I did say that. And I did exactly that. And I was sabotaged because he didn't play a minute and he gave me zero points so far. And do you want to know who I've got on the bench who will replace him? I'm intrigued, yes. Diogo Dallo, who obviously didn't have a great, <laughs> great afternoon of it. So <laughs> yeah. also has zero points. Um, oh, at least it's only zero, though. I was expecting minus with that 4-0. Could have been worse. Demolishing. This week, what I am doing, I actually cheated a bit and I put a poll on Instagram asking for some help. And I have decided to get rid of Leon Bailey, who, let's be honest, hasn't met that hope and expectation so far in the first couple of games. And I've dropped him and I've chucked in De Silva, who has a lot of promise and obviously picked up big injury last season, so didn't really play all that much. But cheap price. I mean, what is he, 4.6 mil so far, has 14 points in two weeks. I've decided to chuck him in. They're away to Fulham. Nice London rivalry. That's the only change I've made, but also there will be changes to come down the line. So that was your fantasy reminder. So make sure you don't forget to change your teams. And I uh, hope you all have a great week of fantasy. Indeed. So thank you for tuning in to the 1 to 11, where we've been discussing who we think is going to be the top 11 providers of goals and assists in the Premier League this season. Pass on the pod to your friends and your family and anyone that you think might enjoy if you've enjoyed it too. And please, if you could, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and give us a rating too. That would be great. If you want to get in touch with us, you can on Instagram, Twitter and on Facebook too. Search for at the 1 to 11 or you can email us 1 to 11 pod at gmail.com. So, Blake, what is it that we're going to be discussing in next week's episode? We will be discussing our 1-11 to of our favourite Champions League moments in history. So, there'll be, a, I imagine, lots of controversial shouts in that one because it's very uh, opinion-based and uh, should be a very exciting episode and a great chance for you to reminisce on some of your favourite Champions League moments too. Not much opportunity for you as a Spurs fan to look back on your favourite moments unless it's that Ajax game, which I imagine probably will feature somewhere. Yeah, I have a feeling it's going to be fairly high on my list. Well, there we go. Until next week, then. Have a nice one. See you soon. Bye.